Welcome to the Bethesda Church Podcast. We're so glad you've joined us today. If you'd like to contribute financially to this ministry, you can do so at BethesdaChurch.tv slash give and simply select the giving option that works best for you. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoy today's message. Hallelujah. Well, let's put our hands together. Let's give the Lord Jesus a big hand clap of praise. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Is anybody glad to be in God's house tonight? Hallelujah. Is anybody glad that God is here tonight? Amen. And where God is, we know that all things are possible. God bless you as you are seated in the presence of the Lord. It's a blessing. A tremendous joy to be here tonight at Bethesda and thank God for you and what the Lord is doing in your life and how he is blessing you. Can we honor the visionary and pastor of this house, his lovely wife, amen. Of course, Pastor Chad in his absence, lovely Karen, amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise for them, amen. It's good to see Brother Zeke came to the green room to talk some basketball with me. And uh, good to see Brother Eli up here. Amen. Playing that guitar like a boss. He's just getting it done. Amen. And praise God for him. And it's amazing to see the kids getting older and then Brother Chad and Sister Karen getting younger. Isn't that something? Amen. The Lord is just blessing you in great ways. And of course, I can't remember the daughter's name, but she is a delight that I had a chance to meet her on my last trip here. And praise God for her. Let me also bring you greetings on behalf of my wife, Sheila. She sends her love, and we're just blessed to see what God is doing here, amen, in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> I mean, I, I, it's just unbelievable how God has just built this ministry to be a blessing, amen, to this community and the surrounding areas. And I talk about you all the time because it is a miracle in terms of what God has done right here, amen. So you ought to be thankful to God. Amen for what he's doing. And thank you uh, again for this opportunity. I'm trying to adjust. I'm used to a pulpit, not a, not a round table here. It's kind of spinning on me, so I'm going to have to just kind of. All right. Nehemiah chapter 1. If you have your Bibles, let's go to the Word of God. Nehemiah chapter 1. We're going to look at verses 1 through 4, the very beginning of that book. It's a message that the Lord has placed upon my heart tonight that I believe is going to speak to somebody in the house and praying it'll be a blessing and minister to you. Nehemiah chapter one, beginning at verse number one down through the fourth verse. And it reads, the words of Nehemiah, son of Hakaliah, in the month of Kesliv, in the 20th year, while I was in the citadel of Susa, Hananiah, one of my brothers, came from Judah with some other men. And I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that had survived the exile and also about Jerusalem. They said to me, those who survived the exile are back in the province, are in great trouble and distress. The walls of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. We want to focus our attention on verse number three. 
It reads, the wall of Jerusalem is broken down. I just want to use for a title tonight and speak to you on the subject, Rebuilding Broken Walls. We Rebuilding Broken Walls. Would you lift your hands to heaven and let's ask God to speak to us tonight. Father, we thank you that you are the God of healing, the God of restoration. I thank you for your people tonight, God, for you have called us out of darkness into the marvelous light, and we praise you. But from time to time, God, we find areas of our life that are in need of repair. So we ask that you would use your word to speak to us tonight. Cause somebody's broken walls to be renewed and restored tonight, and we will give you praise in Jesus' name. And God's people said, amen. amen. Rebuilding broken walls. As much as we attempt to present ourselves as solid and completely whole individuals, the truth of the matter is that all of us as human beings have and are dealing with broken walls. These walls which are present in various parts of our lives. We all have areas in which for one reason or another have been damaged and torn down. Areas that have been damaged by the ups and downs of life itself. Areas that are torn down by tragic events that left us wounded and worn. We have been damaged by situations that come to all of us from time to time that we never feel like we can share with anybody else for fear that, they, that we will be judged and looked down upon. And it's through those broken and vulnerable areas that we find that the devil uses to enter into our lives in his attempt to wreak havoc, steal our joy, and interrupt our peace. For he never ceases to attempt to destroy us. Broken walls. Walls that came tumbling down through the heartache of relationships that did not go as we planned or hoped. Broken walls that came through the pain of an abusive relationship or dysfunction in our very homes in which we grew up in. Broken walls. Walls in the form of unfulfilled dreams that fell apart in which the enemy told us will never be repaired. Broken walls in the form of a career that seems to be on the edge of failure. Yes, there are all kinds of broken walls. Broken walls of unfulfilled potential, unresolved guilt, Rejection and pain that represent the ruined cities of our lives in which we oftentimes feel like we can never rebuild them. Indeed, everybody in this house, if we were to be honest tonight, would have to confess that we all have had to deal with broken walls. However, as much as we look at these walls and think they are unrepairable, we need to understand that the God that we serve specializes in rebuilding broken walls. Amen. And what he desires to do 
is he wants to partner with each and every one of us to rebuild the broken walls in every area of our lives. And that is exactly what the story of Nehemiah is all about as we approach our chosen scripture. Nehemiah, whose name means Yahweh comforts or comforted by God, he now finds himself in a prestigious and important position in the city of Zuza. You see, he is now serving as the cupbearer of a king by the name of Artar, Artaxis. And his job was to sample the king's food and drink before the king to make sure that he was not poisoned. Now, although this was a dangerous job, it literally placed Nehemiah in a position of influence because Nehemiah had access to the king. Well, while he is there working, Hananiah, one of his fellow countrymen from Judah, came to visit. These men began to engage in conversation, and they began to talk about the Jewish remnant who had survived after being taken captive by the Babylonians years earlier in a disastrous invasion of Jerusalem. Hananiah began to speak as Nehemiah asked him concerning his brethren, and this is what he said. He said that those who have survived the exile, they are now back in the province that is in Jerusalem and are now in great trouble and distress. Why? He said because the walls of the city are broken down and the gates have been burned down. And what is interesting to me is the response that Nehemiah had after hearing about the condition of his brethren. The Bible says that Nehemiah, when he heard those things, he sat down, he wept, and for many days he mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. Now when I looked at this visceral response from this man of God, I began to ask the question, why would he respond about such a condition in such a deep emotional and even physical manner. I wondered about that until I began to look at the whole issue and the importance of walls. You see, in biblical times, the cities were built and secured by walls in order to protect them against invaders and violent gangs. Walls to the people of God. It was very important for their security, but not only that, they were also symbolic in nature. You see the word wall, it appears in the Bible over 100 times. It talked about uh, the physical in terms of being a place of defense. But apart from that, walls also symbolize spiritual and material protection as well. So therefore, a city that did not have walls, it was one that was viewed as a city of weakness a city of poverty, spiritual depravity, and a place that did not have boundaries. But it was also seen as a reflection upon the very God in whom the people living in that city claimed to serve. So therefore, to be in a city that did not have walls meant that you were serving a God who was appearing to the heathen as a weak God, unable to protect his people. So when Nehemiah, he heard about this news, he began to pray and ask God for direction and eventually would rise up to go and rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. And I believe tonight that there are some people that are experiencing some broken walls in your life.
And yes, the enemy has been using those areas to try to attack you. But I declare tonight that somebody is about to rise up and rebuild the broken walls in their life. Hallelujah. Would you turn to somebody and tell them, let's rise and build. So I want us to take a look at our story tonight. And as we talk about the issue of broken walls, I want to share with you three things that I believe that God would have us to do if we are going to rebuild the walls of our own personal lives. The first thing I believe that we must do, number one, is we must renew our priorities. Renew our priorities. You see, what I found out is that when there are broken walls in our life, that oftentimes they are a reflection of our spiritual priorities. Now understand, the fact that the walls were broken down, it was tragic in and of itself. But the story behind the why as to why these walls were in this condition is even more tragic than the visible view of the walls themselves. You see, 50 years before this, the people of Israel had engaged in disobedience as well as engaged in idolatry. And because of their sin, God allowed the city of Jerusalem to be conquered in 587 B.C. by the Babylonians and many Israelites were sent into exile for 75 years. You see, God had constantly warned them about the need to have their priorities in order and make sure that God is number one. He told them over and over again, but they continued to move and worship idol gods. So what God did is he literally raised up a heathen nation by the name of Babylonia, and he allowed them to literally invade the city of Jerusalem. They came and they broke down the walls of the city. They tore down the gates and burned them. They moved through the city. They murdered their men. And the ones that they did not murder, they took into captivity and led them off to Babylon. They raped their women. They uh, also sold them and gave them away as wives to the heathens. And the temple in which the people of God worshiped was destroyed and burned to the ground. They engaged in, in, in idolatry and God, because he, he loves them and has to be number one, would allow them to literally be judged by a heathen nation. You see, at night in Christianity, idolatry is simply the worship of someone or something other than God as though it were God. And remember, this did not come by happenstance. This was not something that they were ignorant of. But God had constantly warned them. Even back since the days of Moses in Leviticus 19 and 4, he told them, Turn ye not unto idols, nor make for yourself molten gods, because I am the Lord your God. Now listen to me, church, because most of us in our age and in our generation, we would never take a statue and put it, in front of us and began to bow down and worship it. We would never sit around making songs about a golden calf. But the truth of the matter is, is that many of us engage in idolatry when we put things and people before our God. Oh, yes. 
You see, anything that stands in the way of our relationship with God, it possesses the potential to become idols. Exodus 20, verse number 3, this is what he said. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. In that same chapter, he declared that I am a jealous God. What did he mean by that? That doesn't mean you have something that God wants so bad that he's going to get angry with you. But what God is saying is I don't want you putting anything before me because when you put gods before me, they will never treat you and love you like you're supposed to be loved. So therefore, I must be God. I must be number one or I will be nothing at all. So the question then becomes, where is God in our list of priorities? Because I found out that the things that we maintain and give our attention to are a reflection of how we feel about our God. And I'm afraid again that while we may not bow before golden calves, we may not bow before any of those kind of images, we in America have a lot of American idols. Yeah, and I ain't talking about the TV show that comes on or used to come on, but we've got American idols. We got people that we put before God where we become more concerned about pleasing people than we do about pleasing our God. We got sports, and many people are more devoted to their sports team than they're devoted to our God. We got people that worship politics and politicians where we'll put aside biblical principles in order to tow the party line. We got people that worship money and will do anything for money. But I come to understand that not all money is good money. Oh, can I preach this here? Mm-hmm. We got people that bow before the God of sex and will violate biblical principles. Amen. Just to enjoy, amen, somebody else's body. Amen. We got people that will run after fame and bow before popularity. When we compromise our relationship with God in order to fit in certain circles. Amen. But let me help you understand something. If I have to compromise my relationship with God to be your friend, your boo, work for your company, amen, I got news for you. You are not worthy of me. Oh, my God. Hallelujah. Amen. Turn to somebody and tell them they're not worthy. That's right. They're not worthy. My God, if I got to move God off of the throne of my heart in order to be a part of it, amen, hit the road, Jack, and don't come back because my mind is made up. I must put God first. He is God, and he is going to be in his proper place in my life. My God, have mercy. I don't care what Greek letter comes with it. I don't care if you're Fortune 500. Amen. I don't care if you're a diamond influencer on social media. You may be a hottie with a body hottie. Amen. A big baller. Amen. With your MTV crib. But if you don't, but if you don't put God first, I cannot be a part of it. I will worship nothing but the God that I serve. Oh, my God, choose ye this day who you will serve, whether it be the gods that my fa the fathers worshiped on the other side. But as for me and my house, we shall serve the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I may not be accepted by the world, but I found out that if I seek first the kingdom of God and all of his righteousness, then all of these things are going to be added unto me. God 
first. Turn to somebody and tell them God first. God first. So we must renew our priorities. But the second thing that we must do is not only must we renew our, our, our priorities if we're going to rebuild the broken walls, but number two, we must reestablish our boundaries. Touch somebody, tell them no trespassing. You see, we have a problem in our country when it comes to boundaries. Because somewhere in the midst of our being a free country, somebody convinced us that true freedom is the total absence of boundaries. Yeah. So we think that if you know, we're American and we claim to be free, that we can do whatever we want to do. Uh -huh. so, so, so we should be free to say whatever we want to say. We should be free to put lethal drugs into our bodies. You know, we should be free to change our sexual orientation. You know, if we don't like the way God made us and, you know, we decide that we want to be something else, that we could just go have the surgery and get changed, you know. Feel like we should be free to abort children as a form of birth control. Free to curse the name of God and live any way we want to. Now hear me. If you have gone down any of those roads, I'm not here to bash anybody. I'm not here to suggest that certain people should not have rights as an American citizen. I'm not trying to suggest any of those things. I want you to hear what I'm saying. If you have had an abortion or whatever the case is, there is forgiveness and grace through the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, my God. If you're living a wrong lifestyle, you can be cleansed and forgiven and set free through the blood of Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen in the house? But with all of that, I must let folk know that the absence of boundaries is not true freedom. Are you hearing me? Mm -hmm. I'm free to drive my car, but I'm not free to drive it across your lawn. Are y'all here? Uh -huh. I'm not free to just drive it at whatever miles per hour I feel like and run red lights. I'm free to live in my house. But that doesn't mean I'm free to build a nuclear bomb in my basement. Y'all hear me? Uh-huh. I'm free to go to kickboxing class. And you're free to go to kickboxing class, but that doesn't mean you're free to kick me in my face. Are y'all hear me? Uh-huh. There has to be some boundaries if ever there is going to be true freedom. My God. And you see, the fact of the matter is, is that with the absence of boundaries, it literally makes us vulnerable. Whenever there's a society that says anything goes, whenever you have a home that says anything goes, it literally makes that home and individuals open and vulnerable to attack. That word vulnerable means capable or susceptible to being wounded or hurt as by a weapon, open to moral attack, criticism, temptation, open to assault, difficult to defend. And that is where we have gotten to a place now where we have removed so many boundaries 
that people don't even know who they are anymore. Henry Cloud has said that boundaries define us. They define what is me and what is not me. A boundary shows me where I end and someone else begins, leading me to a sense of ownership, knowing that I am to own and take responsibility for gives me freedom. Doreen Virtue has said that boundaries are a part of self-care. They are healthy, normal, and necessary. And that is why when Nehemiah gets this news concerning Jerusalem, that he responds like he did. Because what he understood was that even though the children of Israel were back in Jerusalem, they did not have boundaries and walls to protect themselves. Therefore, anything could happen, or at any moment they could be recaptured and brought back to Babylon. So in other words, for these children, these exiles who had returned home, nothing really changed. Mm -hmm. When you read about what they went through in Psalms 137, where they expressed themselves, they talked about by the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down, we wept, and we remembered Zion, we hanged our harps upon the willows in the midst thereof, for they that carried us away captive required of us a song, and they that wasted us required of us mirth, saying, sing one of the songs of Zion. And they said, how shall we sing the Lord's song when we're in a strange land? You see, even though they were in Jerusalem, they did not have walls, so it was like they were strangers in their own home. Nothing really changed. They were vulnerable. You see, where there are no boundaries, anybody can enter in, take what they want, and leave. The things that are supposed to stay in can end up leaving because there are no boundaries. Are y'all here? And you see, as a Christian, God requires that we have boundaries. One of the best words you can learn is no. Mm -hmm. Y'all hear me? <laughs> That's not part of the plan. I love you. I appreciate you. Thank you for the invitation, but that's not part of the plan. I have boundaries. There are certain things that I cannot do, certain places that I cannot go because I love this God that I serve. Amen. I, would, I, I don't mind being around you. But you're going to have to come and meet me on my terms and not yours. You see, our identity has, is affected by who and what we allow in and out of our lives. And the sad truth of the matter is, is that there are some of us who have allowed so many people to enter in and take from us that we no longer recognize who we are. And what the enemy loves is a person and a church and a people that do not have boundaries. Y'all remember in John 10 and 10 when Jesus was talking to them? He said, listen, the thief coming not before to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But he said, I've come that you might have life and have life more abundantly. Now we focus on that text. And yes, it's a powerful text. But what we've not noticed as we read that whole chapter is that as Jesus was talking to them about the thief, which is identified as the devil, he tells them that the thief does not come through the gate. 
said, after all, the shepherd is at the gate. Uh-huh. And that devil can think he's as big as bad as, as he wants to be, but Jesus was saying he cannot walk past me. And what he wanted them to understand, and what he wanted them to understand is that the only way that the shep, that the thief would have access to the sheep was he would climb over areas of the walls that have been broken down. And I believe that God is calling somebody tonight, my God, to rebuild some of those broken areas of your life. Because listen, when the walls are broken, things are that are supposed to stay in end up leaving or being stolen. And the things that are supposed to stay out end up getting in. When the walls of your home is broken down, unity gets out and discord comes in. When the walls of your home are broken, love and forgiveness gets out and bitterness and anger sets in. Purity and discipline wanders out while lust and pornography breaks in. Marital commitment leaves and divorce and pain gets in. My God, hope leaves and discouragement enters in. Joy leaves and depression enters in. Power leaves and intimidation enters in. Prosperity leaves and lack enters in. The spirit of giving and generosity leaves Amen. And stinginess and selfishness enters in. Deliverance leaves and bondage sets in. The anointing leaves and yokes and burdens set in. It's time for God to raise up some Nehemiahs and tell the devil, enough is enough. <laughs> Glory to God. I'm going to build up some prayer warriors, some prayer walls. I'm going to build up some biblical walls. I'm going to build up some faith walls and let the devil know that he cannot enter in. Just like in the Old Testament, when the death angel went through the land, the people of God put the blood of the spotless lamb upon the doorpost. And when the death angel saw the blood, he had to pass over. I believe tonight that God is rebuilding some boundaries and letting the devil know that he is enough Woo. glory to God somebody lift your hands in here and give God a praise right now hallelujah turn to somebody one more time tell them let's rise and build and then the third and final thing not only must we renew our priorities not only must we restore or rebuild our boundaries, but thirdly and lastly, we must reject hopelessness. You know what it was said about the walls of Jerusalem being broken down? Is that for 50 some odd years before Nehemiah, the people who had returned from exile walked past those walls every day, every morning, every evening, and did nothing. They knew their city was vulnerable. They probably saw gangs and thieves coming into the city, taking what they want and leaving their wives, their children, their businesses, everything was vulnerable. But every day, they walked by, 
saw the gates, saw the deplorable condition, and did nothing. They became accustomed to seeing their city in that condition. Any parents in here? Yeah. You ever walk into your child's room and they're sitting there with a remote in their hand watching TV or on the computer or whatever and you look around the room and it's just a mess. And you say to them, how on earth can you sit around here in this pigsty? Anybody or my parents, you know, my parents used to say, how in the name of God, you know, <laughs> can you sit around here in this, because I, I don't know about you, but I can't go to bed, you know, with, with the house a mess. You know, you know what I'm talking about? I mean, I can't go to bed with, with, with dishes in the sink and, you know, stuff all over the place. You know, I'll probably dream, you know, about mice running around the house. And, you know, if I move into a house with mice, it's finally my brother and farewell, right? Because I, I can't, I can't. But you sit there and wonder, how on earth can you sit here in the midst of this mess? You see... People can sit in hopelessness for so long that they don't even recognize it anymore. People can be in stinky, bad situation for so long and become so accustomed to it. Can I tell you something? The worst place to be is to find yourself in a place where we become comfortable in our brokenness. Can I tell the church tonight, never be satisfied with anything less than what God has for you. Are you hearing me? My God, have mercy. Amen. I know. I know you may not have arrived there yet. You may not have experienced total liberty yet. But let me tell you something. You need to let the devil know that every day I wake up, I'm going to take another step forward. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I may not be totally free yet, but every day I wake up, I'm going to be pulling against that bondage. I'm going to be doing everything that I can do. I refuse to stay in this mess that I'm in. My God, have mercy. The sad fact of the matter is, is that many times people can be broken for so long that they don't even try to get fixed anymore. People can be bound for so long that they no longer try to break free. People can be wrong for so long that they don't even try to get right. My God, can I tell the church tonight, never be satisfied. Do not give up hope. My God, keep on trying. Listen. When I was looking at this and looking at how they kept walking past these gates, I remembered when I was growing up in Springfield, Mass, there was a park called Forest Park. And Forest Park had a zoo in it. And one of the featured animals that they had at this zoo was this elephant by the name of Morganetta. So, you know, we were in grade school and they would take us on these field trips to Forest Park 
So I walk into this area, probably about the size of the sanctuary in here. And all of the students ran in. And when I got to the door, I looked over and I stopped. And the reason why I stopped is I looked over at Morganetta and I noticed that all of the other animals that we had gone to were in cages. But Morganetta was in a wide open space, just chilling, right? And when I looked down at what was holding Morganetta, all they had was a iron band and a chain with a stake in the ground. Now I'm no zoologist, okay. But the whole scene just didn't make any sense to me. You get what I'm saying? I mean, this huge elephant. And all the kids ran up and they're gathering around and I just stayed at the door because, you know, something went down. I realized I don't have to be faster than the elephant. I only have to be faster than my, my, my classmates right now. So in my inquisitive mind, I standing next to one of the workers and I said, how is it that y'all can have this element, this elephant part and out here in the open and all you have is this tiny little chain holding them down? The lady turns to me and said, well, that's a good question. She said, what happened is when Morganetta was a little baby, we captured her and brought her into an area and we strapped this little band around her ankle and put the stake in the ground. So for months, Morganetta was trying to break free. But because she was such a little tiny elephant, all it took was this little chain to hold her down. Now that she is older, her mind has reached a point where she doesn't even realize that she is now strong enough and big enough to break free from this chain. And the problem is, is that she has become so psychologically trained that she no longer even tries. Are y'all hearing me? My God have mercy. You see, if somehow Morganetta got a revelation that this chain that used to hold me back years ago is no longer going to work anymore, my God, she would rise up and she would go running out of those doors I don't know who I'm talking to right now oh but maybe 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 some walls in your life broke down when you were young when you first came to Jesus but I come by to tell you that the anointing of God has been poured upon your life glory to God those same walls that used to be broken you got the power now to rise up hallelujah do not give up hope time for somebody to rise up and break the chain just like Morganetta should have done and you've been walking past that same wall over and over again and the devil has told you that you cannot rebuild it I come by to tell you that was then but this is now hallelujah glory to God you're stronger than you have ever been rise up and don't you dare give up hope
You see, the sad truth of the matter is, is that in order for there to be deliverance in Jerusalem, God had to reach all the way outside of Jerusalem and raise up a Nehemiah. But can I tell you tonight that if there are broken walls in your life, God has called you to rebuild. He has called you to rebuild. He has called you to rebuild. He has called you to rebuild. Hallelujah. Nehemiah would rise up and get favor from the king. Short version of the story, he would come, he would fight the battles, write the he would set the vision, and they would rebuild the walls. But I like what the scripture says in Nehemiah 4 and 6. It said this, so built we the wall, and the wall was joined together until the half thereof for the people had a mind to work. Touch somebody, tell them, let's go to work. Let's go to work. What walls? What are the walls that are broken in your life? What is that area of vulnerability that the enemy is using to get access? To try to destroy your dream, destroy your vision, destroy your purpose, destroy your family, your marriage, your children. It's time to rebuild the walls tonight. Lift those hands all over the place, all over the house tonight. Father, thank you tonight. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your people. Thank you, God, for the call of Nehemiah that you have placed upon our lives right now. We lift our hands to you because we recognize that we are Nehemiah tonight. While you called Nehemiah to Jerusalem, a whole city, you have called each and every one of us to our personal Jerusalems. So Father, forgive us when we fail to put you first. Forgive us God when we've allowed things to stand between us and the next move of God in our lives. Search us now Father and help us that we would ever put you on the throne of our hearts. Father, I pray for boundaries to be rebuilt tonight. Somebody has some people, some things in their life that do not belong. Help us to draw the line tonight in the name of Jesus. And I pray tonight for hope to be restored. We reject hopelessness. It is not too late. It is not impossible. In the name of Jesus, we declare that the walls are going to be rebuilt. We will not be satisfied with anything less than what you have for us. We thank you, God. In Jesus' name, with every eye closed and every head bowed, if you're here in this house tonight, and in the midst of this preaching, you recognize some walls that need to be rebuilt. I don't know what they are. It's between you and God. Perhaps you recognize some things that are standing between you and the next move of God in your life. Perhaps you recognize some boundaries that need to be rebuilt or perhaps some hopelessness that has set in because you have tried and tried for so long that the enemy convinced you that it's never going to happen. Tonight, God says, rise and build. 
If I'm talking to you, lift your hand up. I want to pray for you. Where are you? Yes, 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 yes. You who lifted those hands, come on tonight and meet me at this altar while the Holy Spirit is moving. Tonight is the night to rebuild the walls. Step out. Step out. Come on. We're about to go to work together. We all have some walls. But tonight we're going to take on the mind to work. Come on. Every step is the beginning of a new work in your life. Step out tonight. Come on. Come on. So built we the walls for the people had a mind to work. Come on. Step out tonight. Step out tonight. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, Lord. I'm tired of the enemy coming in and taking what he wants and leaving. I'm tired of no boundaries. I'm tired of accepting less than what God has for me. I'm going to rebuild the walls tonight. God wants me to live victoriously. Step out. Come on. Thank you, Lord. Can I have our prayer team tonight? Come and meet us at this altar and pray with these that are here. Come on, let's believe God. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. You who are at this altar, begin to surrender to him right now. God, rebuild those walls. Brick by brick. Day by day, God. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, yes, Lord, we say yes to you tonight. Rebuild every area of brokenness in my life. Heal me, dear Father. Set me free, dear God. In the name of Jesus, raise a standard against the enemy tonight. In the name of Jesus, thank you, Father. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Bethesda Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and our website, BethesdaChurch.tv. Thank you for joining us and have a great day.